Uh, lean is a way to get efficiency. So you reduce waste and you slowly improve. Kaizen, the Japanese word. Um, Scrum, with Scrum you get effectiveness because you can change, you can make big changes, basically every sprint. You can change direction in a significant way every sprint. In Japanese, this, this is described as kaikaku, that is a big change or transformational change. So the idea from this company and many other companies I know, and I think Toyota itself published something through Joe Justice, um, the idea is that today you need both Kaizen and Kaikaku at the same time. Kaikaku because you need to adapt continuously, and Kaizen is that while you have uh, the, the big change, you also need to keep implementing small changes and reduce the waste. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode from the Agility Avenue podcast. My guest today is Paolo Sanmicheli. He's a business coach specialized in Scrum, Scrum at Scale, Kanban, Design Thinking, and Lean Startup. He's a certified Scrum at Scale trainer, and he's the author of two books, Scrum for Hardware and Scrum in AI, forwarded by Dr. Jeff Sutherland. And you, my listeners, can get a 50% discount on his books by going to the description of this episode. Click through the link exclusively to you. Thank you so much again, Paolo, for offering the discount. Hi, Paolo. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Maud. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, my pleasure. I was thinking, obviously, in the chat, just before we hit record, uh, I was reflecting on, I guess, a piece of from the archive, uh, an article that you wrote back in 2017. And in that article, you talked about the industrial agility definition you put you put a nice articulation around the the topic and how we should respond to the fourth industrial revolution obviously time has moved since 2017 and i would love to get your take on what has changed and what are some of the patterns that you've seen since you've written that piece okay so back in 2017 uh uh, I wrote an article just after presenting my TEDx speech that was on basically on the same topic. So the idea that uh, an agility framework like Scrum and uh, other ingredients like um, volunteerism, uh, competition, so having companies competing but at the same time cooperating to, to produce innovation. Um, in that moment, what we we were discussing and what mainly the World Economic Forum was showing is that the technology changed some paradigms so that the 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 speed of change increased. From, from a linear uh, speed of change in the third industrial revolution, we are seeing today uh, an exponential uh, change. And so every, every industry was facing some, some challenges. And the idea of uh, moving faster and being able to change uh, direction 
quickly and with ease, that is the more recent definition of agility, was uh, one of the key aspects of the competition. Well, where are we living now? I think we are living in a completely different world. We passed through a pandemic and, uh, I don't know, maybe it's not even over. Uh, and we have a war. We have a war uh, at the European border, a war that meant uh, to accelerate uh, some kind of uh, phenomenon that we were seeing already, um, an increase in decoupling from Eastern to Western countries, and uh, an increased uh, tension that also reflect, uh, uh, has some effects on, on, the, on the global supply chain. So what I can say today is that uh, uh, they need uh, of uh, quickly re reacting to changes in environment today are even more more visible. We have um, so many challenges, plus the one we had in 2017 today. And so agility, together with resiliency, looks like uh, are the, the the main uh, aspects for a winning uh, business model. You publish a lot around the application of Scrum in hardware industry. But perhaps if we take a step back and look into the factors of what is actually leading people to incorporate Scrum into their hardware projects, how and, and why do you think that we need to see this more and more often? What's almost like the hook for starting that conversation around the application of Scrum in, in such industry? So there are some 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 changes some some emerging needs that are uh, i see increasing uh, uh, every day in multiple environments uh, and and many of these uh, uh, challenges or, or new or, or pre pre pressures let's say they they are the some factors that are creating some pressures they can uh, easily uh, i wouldn't say resolve, but at least uh, uh, mitigate with uh, an empiric framework like Scrum. So one, one of the aspects is that, is that we have an increasing complexity of products everywhere. And so the idea of uh, uh, decomposing the work in different uh, uh, aspects and dividing them through different people working in parallel and then integrating everything together at the end. Like the, 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 we use sometimes the, the Latin um, slogan from Caesar, uh, divide and impera, so divide uh, <laughs> and manage in some way. Uh, it, it works uh, every day less. So the increasing complexity means that you cannot uh, work on, on a part thinking that uh, improving the part you're improving the world, you need you, you need an, an holistic uh, or a systemic approach. So teamwork is what we have, the best we have today to solve this. So you, you create a cross-functional team with the, the more diverse, the better. And, and they work daily together. And, and so the problem, looking at the entire problem, 
not at the single part. So the idea of silos in organizations and dividing these, these responsibilities in a very different way, every day is more troubling than helpful. And so, and also the, the matter of uh, bureaucracy is uh, every day more. Because if you have to be agile and nimble and resilient, you basically you you need to be able to do something uh, in a different way tomorrow without uh, adding any restriction of 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 changes and bureaucracy is the vice versa so the idea of bureaucracy is that once you learn doing something you standardize this becomes a standard operating procedure and so that you get efficiency the problem is that you if you are too efficient, then you are not uh, effective if the environment changes. And so that, that's one, 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 to one topic. The other topic is that the, the, the market and the conditions are changing so quickly so that you cannot plan. When I wrote my book, uh, uh, I, I remember that George Asti would say, you cannot do five years uh, planning anymore because... Uh, is, uh, is too long and the market uh, is changing more and uh, we see we have seen for example Nokia uh, falling down to be the, the, the best of the of the market to zero in five years so if you have a five years plan you you are really doomed today in 2022 I don't know if you are if your listeners will listen me in the future but today May 2022, in my company, we didn't even plan the entire year. We we have an idea, of course, it's not that we don't know what we, sh we would like to do in the second half of the year, but I'm, de I'm deferring commitment up to summer for, for the second uh, uh, half of the year because things are changing so dramatically that you you can pretend that the world will stay like it is, and so that's that that's that's the two. So short feedback loops, continuous replanning, and teamwork. And if you need these two to these two uh, elements, well, why not try Scrum? That he, he, he worked for more than twenty years and uh, address both at the same time. So that's basically... <laughs> if we take one industry as an example, and that is manufacturing, okay? And perhaps most agile practitioners appreciate and know that the lean manufacturing, reducing waste, such principles existed way long before the Agile Manifesto. How does Agile and Scrum in particular complement some of those early um, principles where do you see the immediate value add from a Scrum point of view? Yes, so, but first of all, um, Scrum, as according to what Jess Sutherland says, has been heavily influenced by Lean in the 90s. So, or better, was influenced by the Toyota production system because uh, Lean, the, the Lean, the lean uh, definition comes from mid-90s, so it's the exactly the same years of Scrum, but the publication from the 50s of Taichi Ono and all the, the, the knowledge from the Toyota production system. And I would say the Japanese engineering approach, because there are also other uh, 
uh, interesting uh, concepts from other companies that today we cannot uh, uh, recognize anymore which principle started in Toyota, which one comes for example, I don't know, Xerox or other companies. Um, but so the, the first definition of Scrum was heavily influenced on Lean. What uh, Scrum introduced uh, is uh, a teamwork approach that is uh, mandatory in Scrum, instead in, in, in Lean is more about uh, leadership, uh, reinvention of leadership. Um, but the two concepts uh, can some way work together. And the other fact that Scrum introduced and, and wasn't part of the Lean tradition is the iterations, the, start, the short iterations and quick feedback. Um, I published a case study in a, in a company, Italian company called uh, Pietro Fiorentini, that is a, an oil and gas company. And this company is incredibly successful, incredibly profitable. It's a third generation uh, management, so the owners passed uh, from the, the, the founder to the nephews. And, and this company ha have uh, a very, very serious implementation of Lean. Consider that in Italy, when you have the business school, the, the Quoa and the Bocconi school, one in Vicenza, the other in Milan, when they have uh, MBA students uh, to show them uh, a Lean implementation, they bring them in Pietro Fiorentini. And they, for example, have uh, Japanese coaches that fly from Japan directly every month. And, and, and so there is a lot of data that I can collect because I don't have a very good memory with numbers, but they, they have, if I recall correctly, something like a dozen teams every month with the Kaizen week to, to improve. And so it's thousands of man hours per month spent in improvements. And, and there we implemented Scrum. From their point of view, uh, lean is a way to get efficiency. So you reduce waste uh, and you slowly improve Kaizen, the Japanese word. Um, Scrum, with Scrum you get effectiveness because you can change, you can make big changes basically every sprint. You can change direction uh, in a significant way every sprint. In Japanese, this, this is described as kaikaku, that is a big change or transformational change. So the idea from this company and many other companies I know, and I think Yota itself published something through Joe Justice, um, the idea is that today you need both kaizen and kaikaku at the same time. Kaikaku because you need to adapt continuously, and kaizen is that while you have uh, the, the big change, you also need to keep implementing small changes and remo re reduce the waste. Um, and so the two things uh, complement each other. Of course, uh, uh, historically, it comes from two different uh, uh, set of authors, uh, but uh, when you see that in practice, uh, I don't think you can do a really a good scrum without having uh, still some um, idea of uh, moving waste, uh, and at the same time, uh, you can, cannot have a waterfall, very rigid approach uh, and thinking you are lean because the, that would be a waste uh, as well. And so even if you do uh, lean 
Uh, another client I can I can mention mention is uh, Saab. When we went there in 2017, me and Justice we visited the Saab Aeronautics in Sweden. They built a jet fighter, and when we asked how you end up having uh, using Scrum, they say we started with Lean. Some of us are former Toyota employees, and then in a continuous search for something better. We end up uh, trying Scrum, and that worked for the majority of us. And no, and and today the majority of us uh, working in Scrum. But so that's the idea. The, that I don't see really Scrum versus Lean is more like uh, the more you get fluent, uh, the 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 more the two overlaps, and you can then distinguish uh, which part of uh, comes from which which framework uh, really. Thanks for sharing those um, use cases with us. Do you see key components within Scrum being of the most value add on the receiving side, or do you see Scrum being implemented purely like you would in the software industry, for example? Are we looking at the same construct in terms of team structure? Are we looking at the same you know, cadences and best practices, or have the industry adopted a slightly different version of Scrum? Well, if you ask me, my clients, uh, we use the same Scrum guide as uh, as uh, software people or any other industry. Also because in the Scrum guide, the constraints at the end are very little. It's 11 rules, three roles, five ends, three artifacts, and that is the same for, for every implementation. Um, when you mentioned that article, the industrial agility, in, in what I was trying to do in that moment was to conceptualize the four levels of ingredients that I see. So um, I, I described it like an iceberg, where the, the part outside of the water, this, the, the visible parts are the processes, where we can count Scrum, Scrum scale, if you want to talk about scaling, but um, somebody else might say Kanban uh, or whatever framework. But in, in, in some ways, you, the visible part is composed by processes, the way you uh, organize the responsibilities and you make people to talk, uh, and practices, the way you solve uh, pra- uh, practical problems. Or, or you can call it the patterns, uh, if we use the terminology from the recent uh, Copeland Sutherland book, for example. Um, that is very specific on the domain. Um, the, the framework might be the same, the Scrum framework will be the same. For example, the concepts like user story that is not on the Scrum guide, but is a very uh, free, uh, commonly, commonly used uh, um, practice together with Scrum. Of course, if you build a product that is not user-centered, is system-centered, there is no user because maybe it's an engine. So the only interaction is uh, turning on and off. Of course, you cannot use the, the, the user stories because there is no user. So there are practices that are different, but these are on the practice level. The big part of the of the of the iceberg though is the one below the level of the of the water, and that is values and principles. And those are universally applicable. So principles from both Lean and and Scrum and the Agile Manifesto together uh, 
make the, the, the thing to work. So the principle of practices uh, are, are very on two very different levels. So if you see a Scrum implementation hardware, the practices maybe are completely novel and you think, ah, oh, these guys are doing something different. Then if you check the constraints, no, this is still Scrum because you have a product owner, you have a Scrum master, you have product backlog and so on. Uh, but of course, uh, with hardware, there is an element that we don't have it with software. That is the, the production. Because when you have something like uh, um, cognitive work, there might be software, might be even uh, marketing campaigns. You Let's talk about software. You have a software. So I describe the software with uh, a programming language. Then I want to run it. What I do, I compile it. And that is a, it's a button. In some languages, it's not even a button because it's automatically what you, what you type. So, but it's still a process. You compile what you describe it, and it's something that can work. With hardware, you still define some, some concepts uh, on a virtual platform, maybe a CAD system uh, for, for mechanical parts or electronic parts, that doesn't, doesn't matter. Then compiling, of course, if you want to run it on a simulator, it would be just like software, but if you want to run it on a physical part with atoms, there is no hardware compiler that you press a button and you get automatically the product, right? It takes time. Of course, the technology is, in, is improving, so the lead time with 3D printing and this new technology is reducing, but, but the, hard, the compiler is, is the, the, really the, the, the difference between software and hardware. If we had a magic box and you, you, where you have a person designing a very complex mechanical part, pressing a button, and this magic box, uh, 3D print all the parts, and then with some robots, arms, assemble the parts together, and from, from a convey belt, uh, you, you get the part on the outside, like I designed this mouse, press a button, and from this box, uh, you get the mouse done and assembled. Then the, 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 the differences between software and hardware wouldn't be noticeable. But until that moment that we have the hardware compiler, the, 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 what we need is to use a Scrum and Lean, not only to improve the product, but also to improve the product that beats the product. Elon Musk has, uh, used this slogan, the machine that beats the machine. Because uh, the machine that beats the machine it takes, uh, it, it takes the, the majority of the lead time. And so if you improve the machine that beats the machine, you can improve and reduce the, 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 the lead time significantly. Uh, if you watch the, the, the SpaceX interviews, uh, uh, Elon Musk is showing the, the site where they are building the, the, sp the spaceship, uh, uh, Starbase, I think, if I recall correctly. Anyway, he talks a lot about the machine that beats the machine, saying that, it's even more complex than the machine itself. Anybody can build a rocket. It's very hard to, to, to well, not everybody can build a rocket, okay, but we know how to build the rockets at this point. Building a, a manufacturing uh, that produces in series uh, rockets with the cost of a car, of a jet fighter, it, it's, it's really uh, the, the, the challenge that we are facing in that market today. So that's, that's the, 
the long answer to a simple question. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very interesting. So let's talk about your book um, and the the creative process, if you like. How did you come about the idea, and what triggered the the idea of writing the book, and how was the process like? Oh, very interesting question. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, well, how I end up writing the book? Uh, basically, I was called. I was, um, to, everything started in 2016. That I heard about the first Scrum for Hardware gathering uh, in Colorado, and um, I learned uh, computer science in industrial school. So I have a little bit of background also in electronics and mechanical. Of even though software is my my uh, main uh, main skill. Or better, was before before <laughs> becoming a coach, um, and so I was in some way intrigued by the idea of uh, hardware, and also by I was intrigued by the the the, the person of Joe Justice, the personality of Joe Justice, because uh, the story of Wikispeed, uh, the idea that volunteers uh, gather together to build a car, the most ecological car ever not to become famous uh, or rich, but because they wanted to give an impact, uh, a social impact, uh, for was a more uh, uh, sustainability inspired me a lot. I also have a very long background in volunteerism and uh, activism. I drove ambulances uh, when I was younger, bringing some, some uh, humanitarian help to, for, for children in orphanage. So, um, my sense, my, my personality got really interested in, uh, my person got interested in Joe Justice because uh, I think he was really um, doing something utopic, but in some ways he was doing it. So it was like, okay, I need to, to, to meet this guy. And also um, the, the, the affinity was agility and open source together that are com- my background. Uh, so I, I met him uh, in Colorado. I took a flight and went there. I met him. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to speak at his TEDx uh, speech. And so I said, okay, I want to talk about this Wikispeed story because it, I think it's super interesting and super inspiring. And so Joe Justice passed me all his material because uh, he, he uh, gave uh, a TEDx the year before me on the same topic, of course. Um, and so we became friends. And so I told him, look, when you come to Europe uh, and you have trainings, uh, may I come and co-train with you? Because I, w- I would like to learn more from you. And so I started co-training with him. And co-training with him, uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, very crazy and interesting stuff uh, happened. We went to Saab. Uh, we, we saw how they were building the, the jet fighter with Scrum. Uh, we... We met uh, Henrik Nieberg, we met uh, Peter Stevens, highly talented people. Very, it was really incredible the, 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 the huge amount of talent I, I knew thanks to Joe. And so I had all these memories. Uh, at some point uh, during a dinner together, me and Joe, we were, after one training, uh, I told him, look, we have so many stories, you should write a book. And he said, look, my, my, my second uh, son just born, uh, I'm traveling like crazy. And he said, you know what, I would like to write it. And he said, yes, do it. 
please. So I, I started with the idea, okay, let's write down my memories with Joe on how I learned uh, uh, Scrum. Now, in that moment, uh, uh, I didn't know how to write a book because I never wrote a book before. And uh, the longest uh, text I wrote before that was like uh, five pages when I was uh, a software architect writing some proposals for clients. Um, so I said, I don't know how to do it. So I used Scrum because the only way uh, you, you, you know to, to uh, approach uh, things you don't know is uh, when you you know when you when you have a, 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 a hammer, every problem is a, is an, is a knee. So so you start <laughs> trying to to use the same tool. So it's, okay, let's write this book with Scrum. And so I I wrote down a, a product backlog of uh, chapters and topics, and then I started uh, writing uh, small portions, and then I, I started publishing with Leanpub, that is platform that allows to have uh, incremental publishment uh, of, of books. And I was gathering uh, feedbacks. Uh, consider that in the beginning, the, the title was different when I started. It was about uh, the, uh, the industrial agility in the 14th industrial revolution. Then somebody else said, it's too long, uh, too buzzword. Uh, it's about Scrum. It's about the hardware. Why don't you call it uh, Scrum for hardware? Is it all right? <laughs> and I changed the title. And so I iterated a lot. And um, the book came out... Uh, the first uh, version uh, after a few months I was writing and uh, the final version of the first edition after one year, roughly. Then I took a break and then I published a few case studies. So, so I said, okay. And then we had in 2020 the new Scrum Guide. And so I said, okay, it's time to uh, update the part where I described Scrum to reflect the new Scrum Guide. And then I have uh, three case studies that published them. And, um, but it, it was really an iterative incremental approach. And, and that was also a discovery because I didn't know that I could write a book. <laughs> the, the second book uh, that I'm writing right now that is about AI, uh, this, this book is going, is going faster because now I'm, I know that I can do it. So when you know that you can do it, it's easier. But the, the first one is really a, a surprise. Yeah, amazing and, and inspiring as well. Um, you, you actually got me thinking about the publication industry and whether there are actually some valid Scrum application use cases in that space. And who, who, who knows who else wrote the book using a Scrum Kanban board or something. Um, and for our listeners, you can um, you can find the book, uh, link to the book in the episode notes. So you can click through and you can see the book and you can grab your copy. Um so, Paolo, what's next for you? You just mentioned a new book, which took me by surprise. I wasn't prepared for this, but we can talk about it. What, what's next? So, the, when the pandemic started, I completely changed the life. So, I moved from, uh, from taking two flights per month for, uh, to stay in this room most of my day. And so, this is my home office. And in that moment... Uh, I had like uh, uh, an idea that was uh, running around my, within my head that was about AI because uh, just a couple of months before the pandemic, I, 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 I met a guy that was a former Google employee 
that was taking a break before taking a new position. And so he decided to move in Tuscany, where I live, in, uh, in Siena, close to Florence. And he reached me out to say, oh, I see you, you have uh, this meetup about uh, agile and technology and uh, entrepreneurship. Do you want to organize a meetup uh, about uh, AI? I said, okay, let's, let's, let's meet and talk. At that moment, I knew nothing about machine learning and AI. And when I'm, I had this dinner with this guy, uh, he started explaining me a lot of stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd. So I get uh, immediately interested about the topic. So during the pandemic, I enrolled uh, on few trainings on uh, the MIT uh, business school. And one was uh, about uh, AI. And from that, I started uh, being fascinated about this new thing because I think uh, it, it's like, uh, I mean, in some ways, uh, uh, building AI it sounded like a hardware to me. Meaning that if you want to do Scrum in AI, you cannot do the same things you do with software because in software, you write the code in a, with, with machine learning, you don't write the code. Oh yeah, you can write some code to, to put the model together, but the real algorithm, you don't write it, you, you train it, right? And so you cannot think that uh, everything will work in the same way like, uh, like with normal software. So I say, okay, something different, but I'm an expert on <laughs> Scrum outside the, the, the software, so let's treat AI like uh, outside software. And I found out that uh, AI itself uh, is uh, deeply iterative, and so I said, okay, well, this sounds uh, very interesting. And I started talking about uh, these topics with colleagues, friends, uh, you know, we were all online doing nothing and uh, doing a lot of meetups. And what happened that some clients say, you know what? I have this uh, AI team starting working and they should do Scrum because the other teams do Scrum, but they don't know how to do it. Can you coach them? And uh, just randomly talking about, uh, I was interested in AI, two clients asked me at the same time to, to, to coach AI teams. And so I found out myself working 90% of the time with the, with the AI teams. One was about uh, uh, natural language processing, another one was more machine learning, and so more, more, more mathematical models for predicting uh, uh, delinquency in credit. Uh, and so I, again, I started taking a lot of notes and learning a lot of stuff, experimenting with these teams uh, and seeing that there was a lot of... Uh, not completely new, but uh, slightly different uh, techniques uh, and patterns uh, to use in that context. And so after a while, I said, okay, maybe I should put these notes uh, in, in, in a book so that people can, can use it. And uh, that's how I started uh, uh, writing this book. Then I spoke with Jess Sutherland and Scrum Inc. folks. And uh, Jeff, uh, I, I discovered that Jeff Sutherland is an uh, early <laughs> contributor to the AI world because he, was, um, he, he, he worked for a while in a development group at the MIT with some pioneers of the, of the machine learning uh, 
practices and, and, and discoveries of the, the early 90s. Um, and so uh, he was immediately interested. And so he, he ends up uh, um, writing the foreword of my book. And also he let me talk with, with some of the Scrum Inc. clients to understand what they do with Scrum and AI. And that's what I'm doing right now. The next step will be combining hardware and AI and build a giant robot like the cartoons we used to see when we were kids. <laughs> so I want to build like Goldrake or Gundam or Titan Tree. I don't know. I still have to decide. But, <laughs> but I want to... That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When is the book due for publishing? The book uh, is already available. Uh, I, I, I declared something like a 70% completion for the iBook. So there are, there are some missing parts, for example. I'm taking time to write the, the part of the book where I explain the engineering practices for um, the production system and MLOps because I'm co still collecting data and experiences. And... Um, and so that, that part is missing still. It's an almost empty uh, chapter with only links. But the other parts, like uh, how to develop uh, AI with a single team and the challenges when you have multiple teams, uh, some scaling, uh, that part is already finished. So it's available still on, um, on LeanPub. So the title is a Scrum in AI, Artificial Intelligence Agile Development with Scrum, the subtitle. And so typing on LeanPub, it comes outside. But I can provide you a link for our um, listeners so that they can grab it. Brilliant. Um, I'll, I'll include the links um, to the new book as well. Paolo, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I mean, you've taken us from the industrial revolution to AIs to um, hardware industries to... Um, it, it's been it's been fantastic so i just want to say thank you so much on behalf of the listeners um do you have any closing words oh yes yeah, so since we we mentioned ai i would like to uh, i would like to close it with um uh, a quote from george astis a very very recent one and he said that we should rephrase the agile manifesto from uh, individual uh, uh, interaction of the processes of tools uh, to individual and robots interaction over processing tools because uh, he's saying that the, the, the team of the future will be natural intelligence and artificial intelligence uh, uh, swarming together to solve uh, everyday, everyday more complex uh, problems. So we, I think it's a very exciting time to be alive and see these changes and let's, let's see how hey thank you so much for listening um i just wanted to give a shout out to everyone who's been contributing to the progression of this podcast um whether that's through your comments on linkedin your inboxing um or either uh, commenting um, uh, through the spotify app and also some of my colleagues and friends who uh, took time to just just speak with me and, and and give their point of view and how we can improve the podcast so love you so much keep them coming and stay tuned for the next one